Hello and welcome to the Bankers podcast series, Banking Under Pressure, interviewing industry experts from around the world to gather insights and advice on specific challenges, best practices, and innovations that can help banks and their customers manage during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Joy McKnight, Managing Editor of The Banker, and my guest this week is Andrew Raymond, CEO of Valero, a provider of trade finance digitization solutions. Andrew, thanks for joining me. Thanks a lot for having me on today. How would you say that the pandemic is really severely disrupting trade finance supply chains today? Supply chains have uh, traditionally relied on paper flows. And uh, given the disruptions with people working from home, the banks going into their um, business continuity um, programs, uh, that's become severely disrupted. Mm-hmm. So the, the various participants in the market are scrambling to uh, keep up the business as usual activity. And that's compounded by the gyrations in the market in terms of uh, supply and demand, availability of ship, um, access to uh, the manufacturing facilities, and on and on. Uh, but what it really points out is this antiquated process that relies on paper and wet signatures mm. um, is, is really a fundamental issue that needs to be tackled. So what are the benefits of digital trade during a global crisis such as this? Previously, the, um, the corporates and the banks would be involved in a flow where they would courier documents to each other. Mm-hmm. And those documents would be presented for payment against those goods either under letters of credit or under a straight a document presentation. First thing that happened is the, the plane stopped flying. So the documents were, were in Arkansas with DHL or, or FedEx. It didn't get to China. There was a missing element there. The other thing which wasn't really predicted and wasn't really accounted on was this mass working from home effect. Because the banks needed to segregate um, their staff and, and have a majority of them working from home, as well as the corporates, uh, accessing the actual paper documents was a logistical uh, problem. Even if the documents got there or were scanned and put in there, there were problems with processing them under the uh, the paper LC rules, um, which uh, generally requires that uh, an officer would uh, of the bank would actually verify a wet signature. There's kind of a, a knock-on domino effect of things happening, which has created all kinds of logistical issues for, for the participants. And what, what actually has been happening is the banks have been using shortcuts, um, generally letters of indemnity, to get around some of these issues. And we, we do believe that there is actually quite a large backlog to be dealt with as well. So this, is, this issue is not going to go away. In fact, we, we do think um, you know, going forward, the banks and the corporates in particular will need to operate in, in new ways. Okay, so can you dive in a little bit into that um, and talk about so, some of the solutions that are out there in terms of um, uh, you know, how to digitize things uh, and operate in a new way? Most people are familiar with the emails, and, and I think people are moving out of courier-based methods into uh, you know, couriering the documents back and forth um, to kind of scanning them and putting them in emails. That doesn't really meet the requirements um, for documentary trade, um, specifically the letters of credit. Um, most participants are looking at EUCP rules under the ICC Charter, which is the electronic equivalent of the UCP 
um, which have been the rules, you know, governing the, the, the paper LCs for years and years. And we're, we're participating in that, um, that discussion at the, at the ICC level. We're on mm -hmm. one of the digitization committees. And there's a good set of existing rules there um, to be used. Um, the issue is that the participants before the letters of credit are issued need to add in uh, the wording to allow for the, the EUCP, the electronic transmission and, and acceptance of documents. We see a groundswell of interest around this space. There's also been some progress effectively allowing for electronic signatures for um, trade documents under local laws. And that's kind of a, a new trend and certainly we, we fully support that. I think that's really great. Okay, and so in terms of advice, what do you think are the key questions that corporates involved in cross-border trade should be asking their banks right now? How are the banks prepared to support them in this in this new world that we're operating in? You know, going paperless is key. Um, the banks have wanted to do this for, for many years based on um, operational efficiencies. They could be a lot more efficient um, if they could digitize the process. There, there's never been a, a huge groundswell of interest of changing things. You know, it's become obvious to everyone that um, the old way of actually signing documents and carrying them between, you know, China and U.S., for example, doesn't really work well in the current environment. We also see that um, there's going to be a huge move towards traditional trade given the credit dislocations in the market and also the, the need for the various kinds of parties to protect their financial interests. We have seen a huge um, increase on our platform in terms of the uptake, and we expect that the banks as well will also be um, receiving a lot more interest. So there's a move out of open account where the counterparties just agree to pay each other against mm -hmm. payment terms to support for letters of credit where the bank stands in as the intermediary, a trend which we will see, I mean, you know, certainly for the next year or so. And then I think new digital methods will emerge probably from the blockchain, um, blockchain area, which we're also participating in, um, new payment methods, but also um, new forms of, of letters of credit. And do you think this is an area that blockchain can really make a difference? I, I, eventually I do, um, you know, it, it's still early days. Um, some platforms have had more um, traction um, than others, but the concept the concepts are good. The infrastructure we have is based on a lot of the there's a blockchain kind of concepts. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you know, we're preparing to to move in that direction, and we've been doing uh, trials with the R3 consortiums. We participated in uh, the hyperledger discussions as well. So we we do think there's potential, but it's it's not front and center right now as, as a method to solve issues in the market. Again, I think it's the um, longstanding, well-known rules around EUCP is what mm. people are gravitating towards. And my last question is really about yourself. You took over the helm at Bolero about a year ago. Um, what have been your achievements to date? It's been a real honor to uh, have picked up from my predecessor who, who, who did really well to mm. Uh, to establish Bolero in the market. The journey we, you know, we're on this past year has been about uh, turning Bolero into a product-based organization. And I'm really super pleased that we've got uh, a new platform that we've launched. Um, is in production, and we just had our first set of live transactions 
uh, run across the platform. Um, and what this does is, is, is it connects up the account parties um, on Bolero with a new modern infrastructure, new modern look and feel, but also it allows us to add in a lot more features and functions uh, quicker. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is really um, going to be key to our success. So it's really been a delight to work with the team members um, on this on this project in particular. Um, clearly, the the challenges with the, the COVID nineteen crisis ha have affected us as well. You know, we're we're concerned about our staff, our you know, our, you know, and, and their welfare. So we've mm -hmm. we've moved to working from home regime. We're reasonably small, so that hasn't been a, a huge issue. We, you know, we have been used to working from the office, and certainly we, and as we, as we mentioned earlier, you know, we were, uh, you know, we certainly missed uh, personal interactions mm. there. But luckily, uh, Bolero is an established organization with a solid P&L. We've managed to keep the bill program and all the client support stuff uh, front and center, and we're, we're pushing on full, full, uh, full ahead with that. You know, it's really gratifying for. Um, the clients to see the change and to react positively. I got a really great comment this morning from an organization out of Singapore, and you know, it really brings a smile to my face to, to see that the clients are, are getting a real improvement in their experience, and then also they they see what our strategy is, and and they know that's going to help them in the long term. Well, thank you so much for your insights, Andrew, and thanks to our audience for listening. Keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and Acast, and follow our discussions at thebanker.com slash podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's Corient.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 